Great to be back with you, and uh, I hope you have the uh, outlines, because today we're talking about uh, raising children, building up young people to uh, stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have children? May I see your hands? How many of you have grandchildren? How many of you have great-grandchildren? I found out something about the halls. Uh, I, I, next time you have a conference, maybe you just have them do it, because uh, they've been married. Most of you probably know this, but I, I mean, when somebody said it to me, I said, i got to check this out. That sounds like a rumor. They can't be old enough to be married 70 years. But 70 years in September, so uh, wow, could we congratulate them? I, uh, I know you had a special reception for them. They told me all about it and what a blessing, but I just have to say, wow, praise the Lord for that testimony. As I told the men yesterday, um, there's some experts around here that have been married over 50 years, and if you can survive 50 years of marriage, you, uh, you've worked at it. It's not Because if you want a marriage to work, you have to work at it. And we all that have been married for any amount of time know that. Well, it's, uh, how many of you have ever felt like you failed as a parent. I mean, I see your hands. Better raise your hand because we've all felt. Well, maybe you didn't feel like you did, but we all have. And that's why I say sometimes if you've never apologized to your children, you have a problem in your home. Because uh, we need to apologize to our children just like we apologize to anyone else when we get a little bit out of control. I know you're all nice and under control here on Sunday morning, but sometimes, and young people don't say amen to this, okay, please. But, I know sometimes uh, we lose it. Dad's been there. You know, you all think that we had perfect kids, but I remember when I was the principal of the Christian school and my son Matt, how many of you know Matt? He used to be the director of the Wilds Christian Campus, a missionary in Hong Kong. He was sent to the office uh, for, for a problem, and I was the principal that had to deal with the problem. And I was one of those guys that had told my sons early on that uh, if you ever get a spanking at school, you're going to get one at home as well. I was going to support the authorities. I didn't know I'd be doing both of them. <laughs> That's part. I don't know if Brother Alex has, that, has had that problem. Of course, he's probably had perfect kids, never any problems or anything. So, But and, and when he got to the office, I said, uh, Matt, what's the problem? Why have you been to, sent to the office? And he said, well, Dad, I have an eraser stuck up my nose. And I, I hurried him into my office and said, sit down, what are you telling me? He says, Dad, I got an eraser stuck up my nose. Look, and right up his right nostril, there was an eraser stuck up his nose. Now I said, son, okay, I understand you got an eraser stuck up your nose, but how did that happen? Now, you know Matt was a good skit guy at the Wilds. And of course, that's kind of, some of you that have some of those uh, wild acting kids are probably going to be a camp director someday. <laughs> I just want you to know because you've got to have some original thinking. And he said, well, Dad, I was uh, sitting in class playing with my pencil, and the eraser came off. You know that little thing on top of the, the pencil? It came off, and so he said, I stuck it in my nose and let it hang out so it looked like something else to be cute. And all of a sudden, he said, I forgot it was there, and I sniffed. And guess what? Boop! There went the eraser right up his nose, and it was stuck. And... Uh, it's a sad thing, but we had to take him to the emergency room. To, oh, excuse me, I want to be technically correct. My wife had to take him to the emergency room to get there. You know, I was the Christian school principal. Can you imagine the testimony that would have been to all the people there if they, you know, principal of the Christian school sons in the 
and we could have made the news. I don't know what might have happened, but we got the eraser out. And so, uh, but do you ever feel like you failed as a parent? We've all had stories we can tell. I remember sitting in our living room, and all of a sudden I hear smack, ah! And I, we go running outside, and there's Matt holding his nose. Talk to Matt. These are true stories. And he was holding his nose, and I said, son, what happened? He said, dad, I ran into the car. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. How in the, now, I've heard of cars running into boys, but how in the world did a boy run into the car? I said, here I go again. Son, how did this happen? He said, well, I told my brothers, Mark and Mike, the twins, those of you who were here yesterday. Now, we had three boys under the age of two, Matthew, Mark, and not Luke, Michael. Matthew, Mark, and Michael. And he said, I told my brothers I could beat them in a race with my eyes closed. <laughs> and he did, smack right into the car. And so I just want to encourage, I, I could, listen, we could spend the rest of the day with me telling stories, but that's not why I'm here, about our children and some of the things that uh, have made us feel like we failed as a parent. I remember doing some things. I remember on a missions trip one time, taking Matt and putting him up against the wall. My, Mark and Mike say, it's always stories about Matt, Dad, because we were the perfect children. <laughs> Pride goeth before a fall, by the way, so you know, they, they weren't the perfect children either. But I, I've... We've had our, our struggles, but you know the exciting thing? If you, if you be not weary in well-doing, in due season you reap, what? If you faint not, Galatians 6, 9. And we as parents uh, must not faint. As a matter of fact, some of you have been looking at the CDs out there. This is the first CD that our, our sons did, and that boy that ran in the car and had their stuff, wrote a song, that they sang to us right before they were all going off to college, and it's called Mom and Dad, We Love You, on this Be Strong in the Lord tape. And um, you talk about blubbering through it because they surprised us in a service singing it before they went off to school. And you know what? They still love us. And it's exciting to you know, have uh, 50-year-old sons and above that are, uh, still love their parents, and we still love them and have a wonderful relationship. And I, we have several back there. But this one is one that I like because it's their mentors. How many of you have heard of Ron Hamilton, Tim Fisher, or Mac Lynch? May I see your hands? Okay. Those three guys were the ones that really helped our sons with music. As a matter of fact, Tim Fisher was the producer of all the, of the CDs that are back there doing the mixing and all that. But those three guys really spent a lot of time with our sons. And you're going to hear this morning, we all need to have mentors. We all need to have people helping us with our children. I'm so thankful for those three in the music area, because I sure couldn't help them. And so they did a CD called Gratitude, which does a lot of their songs in medleys, but also some new songs that they sing together, trios and all six of them singing together. And then the guys did a CD for Dad on, on my 50th birthday and surprised me called Faithful Servant. And those of you that remember me saying that time, I went forward and got on my knees before the Lord and said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, the very first song on here is, that's, is an anthem of that, that verse. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. And by God's grace, they will another CD back there, Be Strong. I mean, the Show Thyself Strong, they have. We will serve him for all of our days. And you talk about an encouragement to a dad and a mom when you see your children serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In whatever vocation they're in, all of our children ought to be serving the Lord. And we ought to be setting the example of that ourselves. So I want you to turn back to Ephesians again. Spent a lot of time in Ephesians, but we're going to look at just one verse 
that parents, I hope you have memorized. And if you've not memorized it, I would encourage you to memorize it because it's our marching orders as parents. I, I jokingly said yesterday that the first verse that we taught our sons in the delivery room was Ephesians 6.1. Uh, Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. It wasn't quite the emergency room, okay? But we taught it to them early. You know, but sad to say, a lot of parents will teach them Ephesians 6.1, but they won't learn Ephesians 6.4. Because of what does Ephesians 6.4 say? Let's read it together in unison together. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right there in that verse is packed in our responsibilities to raise our children, to build our children up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to dissect just that one verse this morning in Sunday school. And I want us all to see our responsibility. Now, if you weren't here yesterday, then you need to also write on your outline Deuteronomy 4.9. Now, grandparents, why am I asking them to put down Deuteronomy 4.9? Because that's a verse to grandparents. Because I don't want you coming here this morning thinking, oh, my kids are grown, I just get to play with my grandkids. No, Deuteronomy 4.9 says, teach it to thy sons and thy sons' sons. Sometimes we think of the parallel passage of this being Deuteronomy 6.7, teach them to thy children. But Deuteronomy 4.9, it takes it even a step further to our grandchildren. So what, what's the process here? First of all, we need to look at the managers. We need to look at the managers. It takes the right managers to build our children, to grow our children. It takes the right managers. And who are the right managers? Well, and I said it plural because I don't want you to think it says, and ye fathers, that means just dads are responsible. Now, ultimately, who's responsible? Men. Men. How many of you men were in my session yesterday? Okay. How many are, how, who's ultimately responsible for the home? If you have a problem in your home, whose problem is it? Ladies, you're going to like this. Are you, you're going to like me. Because whose problem is it? It's the man's problem because God has made him the leader. We looked at that together yesterday. And with authority also comes what, men? Responsibility. Some of them were listening. What do you know? Uh, but you also remember yesterday that we talked about the two become one flesh. In a marriage relationship, we're one. And we're, we're together. We're cleaving one to another. We're working together. So ladies, I don't want you to think when it says, Angie, fathers, that you're not a part of the situation. Because remember, men need help. Oh, amen to that. The ladies are being very gracious and kind and all that. But we do. We need help. And praise the Lord for a godly wife because it's not good that man should be alone. Oh, well, some of you have learned that. We, we, it is not good. And I'm glad we can be together in this process. So when I'm talking about the managers, I'm talking about the parents, plural. And yes, an extension, grandparents. And, you know, I have even, as a pastor for many years in Kansas City, I even know of situations where the kids went crazy and everything, and the grandparents are actually were raising the uh, grandchildren. 
they were actually in their home. They didn't, uh, they realized that there had been problems and they just took them into their home. I know a lot of grandparents that have paid the tuition for Christian schools because it's a great investment, whether it be a, a day school or whether it be college, but realizing what an investment. What, the only possession you can take with you to heaven, your family, your children, people. And so parents are responsible. Now, here's three thoughts we need to understand. Parents must accept responsibility. You are responsible whether you accept it or not in God's sight. But it's very important for you to accept responsibility so if something goes wrong, you don't blame somebody else. Have you ever heard of blame shifting? Um, I shared with folks yesterday, I, I get involved in Washington, D.C. on a regular basis, an organization called Advance USA. And I've been involved because of my involvement with the Christian School Association and all that. And have you ever heard of blame shifting in government? Uh, have you heard a little bit of blame shifting and all that? And of course, ultimately, uh, I hope you know who's responsible. I, don't have to, I hope I don't have to tell you who's really responsible. But when it comes to children, it's not the government that's responsible. It's not the church that's responsible. It's not the youth pastor that's responsible. It's parents that are responsible. And you need to take seriously your responsibility, right? Right? Because what are our priorities? By the way, I'm an educator too, and you'll review helps to solidify things. So what, what, what are our, our, our biblical priorities? If you weren't here, you, you can get them. It's first session in that booklet, and you can write them down right now if you want to. God. Great. Get 100%. Give yourself a good grade here in Sunday school today. We're responsible as parents, and we need to take the, problem, the, take the responsibility seriously. But number two, parents must accept assistance. Parents must accept assistance. In other words, be smart enough as parents to let other people help you. Don't feel like you have to go it alone. In the body, there are many members with varying gifts. And so praise the Lord that you have some other people that can help you in the process. You ought to be very thankful that you have the opportunity of having a Christian school here in your church. Not every church, not every community has that opportunity. And if you want to really inculcate into them Christian principles, then you have to do it through a home education process. And hey, that a lot of people are doing that. I know there's some even here that home educate as well. But isn't it wonderful that you have Christian school teachers that will work with some of your teachers, I mean, with your students, and that you can send them to a, a Christian school? Hey, Aren't you glad you have a youth pastor that will work with young people, specifically focusing on, on youth and to be able to encourage them and challenge them? Man, I, I tell you, our sons uh, really were, loved their youth pastor. And uh, really, they come back sometimes from you know, a youth meeting and say, Dad, Pastor Carsey said this, and Pastor Carsey said that, and Pastor Carsey, and, and, and boy, I'm going to do it. And I thought, well, I've been saying it for a while myself, but, you know, it, it's open. How many of your children are involved in sports? Oh, my sons weren't involved in basketball and soccer, by the way. Please, soccer players, forgive me, okay? But uh, basketball is still the best sport. But it's, it's okay because they were involved in both. And I, I'm just telling you, coach, 
had a major impact upon my children and will have a major impact upon your children and why it's so important you have them under the right kind of coach. Because coach said, and coach said, and boy, I'm a coach. And I'm, gonna, and I'm thinking, well, dad's been saying that for a while too. And of course, I, I tell every parent you ought to utilize a good Christian camp. And of course, my son would want me to promote Southwind Christian Camp in Ringgold, Louisiana. But there's some other decent ones. I've already mentioned the Wilds and Camp Joy and Open. Well, there's a lot of different camps out there. But you ought to utilize that. And isn't it amazing when they come back and they say, my counselor said this and my counselor said that. And boy, I'm so glad. And, and they pick these counselors that are just a little bit older but are godly young people that can really relate. I remember when um, we always had a service after camp and we'd have them give testimonies and, and sing sometimes. We'd give over a service after camp to our young people to just to let them tell what happened in their lives. And I remember Matt again telling how he enjoyed camp and all the good things. And, you know, I'm sitting up here on the platform. And he all of a sudden said, and I got to hear my favorite preacher, Tom Farrell. I'm a preacher. I was sitting on the platform. And if you know Matt, again, he's a quick wit. That's why he's good in camp work, too. He's very quick wit. And he said, my favorite evangelist. He caught himself because everybody in the crowd kind of went, when oh! he said that. But who cares? I don't care. You shouldn't care. As long as they're getting the truth of the word of God, I don't care where they get it. Because my job is to manage the situation and put them under the right people, get the right assistance to help my wife and I as we raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So take the responsibility, get assistance, and then number three, parents must start early. Parents must start early. Because if you don't train them early, guess what happens? How many of you have had children? They will train you. Right? I'm me, me, me. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You all right? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. And then when you have twins like we did, it's just crazy all the time. And you know, you men have to hold your wife in bed and say, you know, it's okay. They're not, they're, they're not tangled up in the toys. They've been fed. They've been diapered. Everything's okay. Let them cry. Oh, they'll go horse. Hallelujah. That'd be great. They'd go to sleep. But you know, they try to control your schedule in your life instead of you getting them into your, the, the right schedule and train them early. You've got to teach them early. There's a, a good book uh, that I think uh, we put in your bibliography on what the Bible says about child training. And it really emphasizes by Fugate the importance of getting your child trained early to be obedient and respectful. Remember, that's Ephesians 1 and 2. Those are the basics. Obey and honor. Those are the two things. So we want our children to be respectful obeyers. And so when they obey, we don't want to, okay, okay, okay. No, we want them to obey with the right heart attitude. That's why I sang with the elementary children, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly, and I like to add in what your parents say, doing it happily, action is the key. Do it immediately, joy you will receive. For obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. So let's spell it. Don't you know it? How do you teach it to your children if you don't know it? Here we go. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. 
Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I said, sons, you know, I'm standing here as your dad to help you obey the Lord. So if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's why I wanted him to obey me. And that's why we should obey the Lord. Not out of a heart of fear, but a heart of love. Because we love him because he first loved us. So parents, you're the managers. Make sure you accept responsibility. Make sure you get assistance and start early. The verse says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a process. Write down Proverbs 22, 6. You can look at it later. Train them up in the way they should go. It's a process that you have to start early. Now, the second thing we want to look at is the right methods. The right methods to build your children. And uh, there's so much we could say. My wife and I have done entire weeks on child training. So, I mean, we've got to just kind of whiz through this. But, I mean, there's so much that can be said because the Bible spends a lot of time talking about this important aspect so that we can have generation after generation after generation. And we need to make sure that we continue to follow biblical guidance, not psychological guidance. And uh, I, I'm concerned what I'm seeing, a parent's not getting, getting away from the Bible and going to psychology and oh, some one child psychologists say. I'd, I'd much rather listen to what God says. So what did he say? We should bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's the, that's the positive, but there's some prohibitions as well. That says, so number one, parents should obey the prohibitions. Parents should obey the prohibitions. Here the prohibition is don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't provoke your children. That's the admission here. Then if you go to Colossians chapter 3, in verse 21, it's that don't discourage your children. Don't provoke your children. Don't discourage your children. You could say, don't irritate your children beyond measure. And now, young people don't speak out loud. But is it possible for your parents or your teachers or your youth pastor or anybody that's an authority over you, don't shake your heads even, okay? I know the answer. So don't, please, I'm trying to protect you today. But it... it it, does it sometimes possible for them to provoke you or discourage you by their attitudes or actions? I know it is. And uh, I, I'm going to help you by telling the authorities that are here some of the ways. Number one, number one, uh, nag them. Maybe you have some bosses that do you. You know how... And, of course, men, we don't nag, we grunt. Uh, uh, ah. You know, whatever we do, we can do it in normal voice. We don't have to you know, grunt and nag and, and all the other things. Uh, hey, I've had, to, I've had to apologize for getting upset. Maybe you never got upset with your kids. Liar. But I'm just saying I've had to apologize because I've raised my voice sometimes and I shouldn't have raised my voice. It's irritating. It's provoking. It can discourage our children. Let me give you another one. Uh, be inconsistent. What you expect out of your children or your young people at church, don't expect out of yourself. 
In other words, expect them to do things that you aren't expected to do. One of the things that blows me away as I've worked with Christian schools for years is some of the rule books and the handbooks and all those standards they put on the kids, but they don't have them for the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. That's inconsistent. And what are you telling your children by your actions? Remember, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk. If you weren't here yesterday, some people will teach it to you. It's all right. But what are you teaching them? What you're teaching them is, yeah, you have to obey the rules until you become an adult like me, and then you can just do what you want. No, I can only do what God wants me to do, and if, if we really think it's important for our young people, it'll all be important for us. Consistency. Be genuine. Be a genuine Christian. If I could just tell you one thing, and you wouldn't do anything else, just be a real Christian. Just be a genuine Christian in front of your kids, and hey, we're all sinners, so we all fail. We all have to get right. We have to go through the process. Don't try to be somebody you aren't. Just be real. Number three, don't have any reasons for your rules. Don't have, don't have any reasons for your rules. Because I said so, that's why. Yours is not to reason why. Yours is but to do or die, son. Do you understand me? I am your father. Well, maybe he will as long as he's in your home because of the fear, but he's going to go out and do whatever he wants to do after that because you've never given him any reasons. And can I tell you something, folks? We have a whole Bible of reasons. One of the beautiful things about the Bible is it never goes out of date, and it's appropriate for any culture. You, know, it, you can take the principles of the Word of God and you can apply them anywhere. Because things change, you know, different situations change, different activities change. You know, we go through different changes as far as our society and as far as our culture, but Bible never changes. So it doesn't get real specific, it just gives us biblical principles which we can then apply. And we have to apply them and teach our children how to apply them in any given situation and in any given culture. And so that's why I challenge parents and I challenge youth pastors and camp leaders and Christian school leaders, teach biblical principles and then give some possible applications in the culture in which we live. But make sure they realize why you're doing this is because of principles. I know at Tri-City, would, I would say to the parents, we have a reason for every rule, a biblical reason for every rule. And I try to use chapels to help teach our young people those. But I said, parents, if you ever wonder about a certain rule and why we have it, please let me know. So we had this Catholic family that came to know the Lord and put their kids in our school, and, and uh, they, they came in, and they, they said, you know, we just have a question. They eventually came to our church and became real faithful uh, servants of the Lord and helpers to us in the ministry because of the, the background they had. But when they were baby Christians, they, and we have a question because you said there's a reason for every rule. And I said, yes, that's true. What? And we said, well, our, our girls came home and said that they cannot bring red Kool-Aid uh, for their birthday party. They can have other colors, but not red. And so we just assumed, but we wanted to know to teach our girls, because we, we, we buy into what you said. We want to know the reason, because we thought, well, maybe it has something to do with the blood of Jesus, or maybe it has something to do with the devil and his uh, devices. 
We don't really know, and some of you are already smiling because you probably know what the principle is. Stewardship. I don't know how your carpet does with red, car with red Kool-Aid, but our carpet, it's stained. And, so, and we had carpet in our classrooms for a while. I learned better after a while, but we, we did initially and because uh, it helped with the noise, but it doesn't help with the stains. I'm just going to tell you, I've learned the hard way. But so I said, oh, I'm, it's a matter of stewardship. And by the way, that is a biblical principle, right? right. Taking care of God's creation and taking care of God's uh, building and taking care of God's body, our own bodies, it's stewardship. The red Kool-Aid stains our carpet. So I mean, there may be some crazy things like that sometimes, but at least communicate them. Make sure the children know, your young people know, your church members know there's a reason why we have this policy. And it's a biblical reason. And you know what happens? They grow up and they start applying them for themselves. And you go, whoa, they did get it. Because, you know, when they're in your home sometimes, you don't think they got it. But when you hear them sharing some of the same things with your grandchildren, you go, wow, thank you, Lord. Now, by the way, they may not make every application the same. Hey, that's between them and the Lord. That's, you know, that's the freedom of the believer. That's, that's the, the liberty we have in Christ to determine what God wants us to do as a family. But we need to give them reasons, biblical reasons. And when you don't, you provoke them, you discourage them, you frustrate them, you irritate them. So he says there's some things here you shouldn't do, prohibitions. So we, we should obey the prohibitions, but also we should obey the admonitions. We also should obey the admonitions. Because it says, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, nurture is a word for disciplining. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. It's that concept of controlling them and directing them and disciplining them. Admonition is the word for instruction. So can I put it this way? Do discipline them and do instruct them. And by the way, if you're disciplining them properly, then you will be instructing them even through your discipline because discipline is stopping wrong behavior and starting right behavior. So you have to teach them why something is wrong and then you have to instruct them on how to do right. Now, I don't have time to spend what I'd like to do in dealing with all the specific ways that you go about disciplining your children and instructing your children. I mean, there's whole books written about it, right? And so, but let me just tell you one thing that's bothering me. Spanking is still in the Bible. You don't believe me? Well, turn back to Proverbs. And I know there's this whole grace movement of parenting. Don't get me started. Um, and let me tell you something, parents. You want to get one shot at this. I've seen so many fads come through the educational system, through the parenting system, and I've seen a lot of sad parents because of what, what's the result of it. And you don't know the results till the end. So I tell people, stick with something that has proven to work. And you know why uh, we stick with the Bible? Because the Bible is work, because God is our creator. And he knows the best way to deal with it. So go to Proverbs chapter 13. I just want to share with you a few verses. Proverbs 
and we'll start in verse 13, chapter 13. And we're going to go through uh, several of the Proverbs. You might want to write them down. You might want to mark them in your Bible, however you want to do it. I have a mark so that I start at one, and I got a verse there so I can go to the next one and the next one, because I, I love working with parents and helping them to see this. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Oh, no, I, I love them because, no, 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 no. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens just like a father does his son. Check it out in Hebrews chapter 12. Don't buy into the false teaching of today. Look what it says in chapter 19, chapter 19, and verse 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. You may have had a professional repenter like I did. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I never did. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. No, I don't ever do this. Well, I'm sorry too. But go down the hall, you know, get the paddle off the wall, and go to your bedroom. I'll be there shortly. By the way, that's part of the discipline, part of the, the pain that you want them thinking about what's about to happen. And, you know, he turned out to be a great evangelist. So, I mean, he's got that fire. You know, I, I wasn't going to tell you who it was, but I guess if you know who the um, pastor knows. So, but Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15, this was the verse that we had written on the paddle that was on the hallway that they would go pick and, and bring to us when we needed it. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far away. It works. It's God's plan. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13. Withhold not correction from thy child. If thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Now, please don't think you're supposed to beat away at a child. That's why I love to make sure people understand. One good crack will normally do it. At the right place in the right way with the right spirit. I have a session I do on 10 steps to a successful spanking. Because some people... Don't do it properly. And it ends with this fact of, okay, uh, now you need to make sure and love them and pray with them because you haven't rejected them. What have you rejected? Their behavior. And so when it's all finished and it's done and it's forgiven, you know, you just hug on them and love. I tell my grown sons, every once in a while I just like to have a, a session in the bedroom again just to get your big hugs and tears and love and everything. We get them other ways. But it's just wonderful to see the response that comes when they're freed from uh, the, the burden and uh, when, when they've recognized the problem and deal with it. Go over to Proverbs chapter 29, 29 and verse 15. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself, what happens? Oh, I'm just going uh, to avoid the wrong behavior because they're just wanting to get attention, and so I don't want to give them attention because I'm just rewarding them by giving them attention. Not if you give them the right kind of attention. And do you know what the right kind of attention is when they're doing wrong behavior? They've been disobedient to you or they're disrespectful to you or whatever. The right time of attention is the rod. And so you, know, you give them the right kind of attention, and you'll actually solve the problem. Verse 17, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So you have the, which do you want? Do you want your children to bring you shame or you want your children to bring you delight? And I've watched. I have been young, but now I'm older. And I, I've watched what has happened with some of the movements that are going on 
And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that would like what we have in our family, uh, but they don't want to go through the process that it takes to get there. I'm just trying to help you folks. It's God's word. And so we need to make sure that, that uh, we don't spare the rod. Now, there comes a point when they grow beyond that. But remember, it's still, if you're teenagers, you still want to bring about some pain for punishment. You bring praise for, for, for them when they do right. You reward them positively. But when they do wrong, you still want to do pain. And so for me, in my household, the pain for my sons was they'd have to set out of a, a, a soccer game or a basketball game or something they, they really loved to do, but they hadn't behaved right and they hadn't gotten the message after some warnings. And I said, okay, you're not playing in the next game. Now, remember, I was the pastor of the church. And some of the coaches would come and set up an appointment and come see me. <laughs> my sons were good athletes. And they would say, Pastor, you're hurting the team. You're not letting so-and-so play. And uh, they're our key position here, you know, on, a, on the defense. He's our goalie or, you know, he's our center. He's our guard, our point guard or whatever it might. And he says, it's hurting the team. And I said, well, let me tell you something. Uh, you can help me then because it's not me that's hurting the team. It's my child that's hurting the team. Because the reason for the consequences is his behavior, not my behavior. I'm doing what God tells me to do. And so all we need to do to solve this problem is to get Matthew, Mark, and Michael. I just didn't want to pick on any one of them. They've all had their time. You, you, you need to uh, work with me to get them to do what God wants them to do and hey, everything. And most of the time it was that way. And you know, you get their attention when you're serious about discipline. But are you still in Proverbs? Let me tell you something else that we need to do. Because the other thing we need to do is encourage them, instruct them, and when they do right, how many of you have ever had your child do right? Come on, raise your hand. I know. It's, but but it, what frustrates me is sometimes when they do right, we just kind of go, okay, good. Uh, finally, I expect it. You know, instead of making a big deal about it. Go back to Proverbs and, and now we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 12 and uh, what it says in uh, verse 25. Proverbs 12 and verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Great job, son. Thank you, sweetheart. Boy, you really responded well. I, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the way you... You handled that situation. I'm so grateful for that song you sang. I'm so glad that you're serving in the youth group. I'm Praise them. Big time. Go over to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. Proverbs 15 and verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? Now, I spoke to the elementary chapel, and I spoke to the junior-senior high chapel. In elementary, you can put a big smiley face on their hand, you know, with a little sticker or whatever elementary teachers do, and maybe Sunday school teachers, and they won't wash their hand, or they'll go around and won't want to take that off because, look what I got in my class. I got a smiley face. That doesn't work for teenagers. Ben, I hope you know that. I'm, I hope you've got that down. That, but you know where a smiley face works? 
on our faces. When that's great, wonderful, praise the Lord. I'm sure glad to see you serving. I'm sure glad you're involved in the local church. And can I say something to you? And I know every church is different, all right? I've traveled, and I, I know every church is different. But when your young people come up here and do something in ministry for the, for the glory of God, give them a good, hearty amen! Encourage them. Talk to them afterward. And tell them how thankful you are for what they're doing. Because we have this idea sometimes that we expect them to do right, and, and we really get on them when they do wrong. Well, I don't know about you, but my Bible says they're sinners. They're sinners. So, you know, as a parent, I, I expect them to do wrong. I'm just thrilled when they do right. And it's my job to help them to do right more often. And so get excited about it when they do right. And you encourage them to keep doing right. And, and that, that's in the business world. Remember, I was in the business world before I went into the ministry. They would tell you four praises you have four compliments for every correction. But then we, with our own kids, or when our church work, you know, we're always criticizing, 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 and every once in a while, well, it's about time. And then we wonder why we're not encouraging our young people, but we're discouraging them and provoking them. Or we learned the sandwich approach in business. Any other businessmen here that remember the sandwich approach? You'd compliment, and then you'd correct, and then you'd compliment again. So you start out with, boy, I'm so thankful for your faithfulness in the youth group. I would really like you to see you open your Bible while I'm preaching and follow along, because it seems like you just have your Bible closed. But I'm glad you're, you're here, and I hope that you're learning things, and so you kind of sandwich it in between there. And, uh, of course, my wife, when it comes to my marriage relationship, says, forget the sandwich, just get to the baloney. That's all I need to hear. Because she's heard me enough times, and she knows what I'm doing. Oh, babe, this is... But really, I'm complimenter, just a complimenter. Remember, Ben? B-E-S-T? Okay, I just make, make sure you remember. Um, and, but I'm telling you, we do better sometimes out in the world than we do with our own families. And we need to make sure that we're making them to be, do discipline them, do instruct them. Now, the final thing that we must hurry on with is bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It takes the right material to build your children. It takes the right material to build your children. And would you all turn to Luke 2.52? And in Luke 2.52, you will get the four areas that you have to bring them up in. Because it's the four areas that Jesus Christ increased in. So I think you can probably fill them in for yourself if you just read Luke 2.52. We're to make our children like Jesus Christ. We're to help them become like the Lord Jesus Christ. And what four areas need to be covered? Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Can I put them in educational terms? You know, wisdom, mental. Stature, physical. Favor with God, spiritual. And favor with man, social. Those four areas. And isn't it interesting, if you would go to any secular college and take educational psychology, they would tell you there's four areas that need to be developed in every person. Mental, physical, social, and... No, they don't say spiritual. 
You know what they say? Emotional. Emotional. Oh, they won't give the, the, that we are all spiritual creatures. We're all made to, to seek after God. That, to, we, he doesn't, they don't give in the fact that there's something empty in everybody until they have Jesus Christ as their Savior and they have a right relationship with God. But isn't it interesting? Man looks at man, comes up with four areas. God tells us to be like Christ and gives us four areas. So moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, let's, let's not provoke our children to wrath, but let's bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, I thank you for the time together in your word. Help us to take the truth and apply it to our individual homes and families. Might you raise up a, a godless generation of young people right here at Calvary Baptist Church. I pray this in Jesus' name.